for those of you who don't know me, my name is Dillis. I'm, I'm part of the, the leadership, part of the church here. And it's my joy to speak to you today um, in this, our final installment on our series on living loved by God, our beloved, be loved, be love series. And we've been learning about what it means to be beloved of God, much loved. We've been learning about our parent-child relationship with him, being loved in a way that um, freedom and conviction transforms our lives as we are rewired. And the sense that our prayer has been that, that that knowledge, that belief would move from our head to our hearts. And as we've been singing this morning, that our hearts would come alive, that our hearts would come awake to his love for us and for what he's doing in our lives. We really want that to, to influence how we live and to live out of that place. And in these last two weeks of the series, we've been looking at the response then of living loved and in turn being love in the world and to the world around us. And last week, James so eloquently talked about our call to, to love the world with the same passion and justice and mercy as Jesus has loved us and as Jesus showed us. And today, today we're looking more specifically then at what the Bible says about how we love each other within Christian community, how we love each other as believers, and because that is reflected to the world, and that is part of how God uses us to rescue and save people when they see us and how we love each other. So I think this is going to be a really good heart check for us this morning. Um, as to how we are relating to each other as church family. And to help us do that, we're going to look at some of Paul's advice to the early church. And our overarching scripture for these talks has been 1 John 4, 7 to 12, um, and Hebrews 10, to 25, and Romans 12, 9 to 13 are also where I'm going to be mining some wisdom from today. So I'd like us to just take a few minutes to just read through those scriptures together. So the first reading is from 1 John, and it's the message version. And it says, This is how God showed his love for us. God sent his only son into the world so we might live through him. This is the kind of love we are talking about. Not that we once upon a time loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to clear away our sins and the damage they've done to our relationship with God. My dear, dear friends, if God loved us like this, we certainly ought to love each other. No one has seen God ever, but if we love one another, God dwells deeply within us and his love becomes complete in us, perfect love. And then from the NIV, we have our Romans reading, I think is our next one. Romans 12, uh, 9 to 13. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, 
and faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need and practice hospitality. And finally then in Hebrews, in Hebrews 10, uh, from 22 to 25, it says, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. So that's our text and our scriptures that we're going to be kind of looking at and speaking out of today. And in the Romans 12 passage, we see in verse 9 that it stated two truths about genuine love. It is sincere and it actively chooses between evil and good. Genuine love is sincere and it clings to good. And this is the love that God offers us. It never varies and it contains no pretense. Um, I'm a fan of Brennan Manning's writings. I've read a couple of his books and one of his favorite, one of my favorite quotes of his rather is this. My deepest awareness of myself is that I am deeply loved by Jesus Christ and I have done nothing to earn it or to deserve it. That, that is living loved. It's a deep awareness of God that brings about peace, repentance and surrender to our Abba Father. And in 1 John it says, if God loved us like this, we certainly ought to love each other. Our love for each other then also comes from this deep awareness of his love for us. This is agape love. It's a love that transcends and persists regardless of all circumstances. It's a love that is costly and it has little regard for self and it seeks the best for others. That is the kind of love that God offers us. And, you know, it can kind of sound unobtainable, right? I kind of read all that and I go, oh. But you know what? It is without the work of the Holy Spirit within us. This is a holy love. And it is a fruit of the Holy Spirit that indwells us. That's how we get to love like this. And I think in the two pieces of scripture that we read... Uh, we begin to see a picture of how we're meant to put this love into practice as church family. Because as we've been learning, we are all God's precious children, which actually makes us all brothers and sisters. Hey, we're all siblings. This is fun. Um, that's how we should be relating to each other. It's that bond of family. Um, and verse 10 in the Romans passage says we should be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Devoted, which means being loyal to and also giving of our resources to. That's how we're meant to be relating to each other. So how do we do this? Verse 22 in our Hebrews passage says, draw near to God with a sincere heart and the full assurance that faith brings. 
So with a pure allegiance to Christ and the peace and joy um, that assurance of faith brings, that's where we start from. That's how we begin to live like this and give this love. We draw near to God. We can't love like this without God. We draw near to him and keep our spiritual fervor serving the Lord. We love him first, we serve him first, and then all the rest follows. I always love this about scripture. I love there's these little formulas and little strategies in there that God gives us to live by, and they make total sense when we do it. Love him first, serve him first, and all the rest follows. So that's kind of, I feel, our foundation piece as we learn to, to love each other. We, we commit to God and each other. I think being in Christian community, it takes perseverance, it takes commitment, and living in Christian community takes a very large dose of humility and forgiveness. After all, we are all imperfect people trying to live sacrificially together. And sometimes we mess up, sometimes we hurt each other, sometimes we misunderstand each other. And these verses are so key to learning how to be in this place together. These verses encourage us to not give up meeting together and to hold unswervingly to the hope for God is faithful in all things. The understanding of church as family, it seems, was something that needed addressing in the early church because that's what he's talking about and it still applies to us today. I would say for the majority of us, this isn't the first church, first church that we've attended. Um, there's many different reasons why we pass through communities, usually for logistical or relational or theological um, reasons, and all are valid. But I think what this text is saying is that in whatever church community you commit to, we should have this posture that it talks about in the Romans 12 passage. Be joyful in hope. Be patient in affliction and faithful in prayer. It's these three little nuggets of wisdom, I think, that should guide our day-to-day -day inner lives, but they also guide, um, they become part of our approach to our relationships with each other as brothers and sisters. So we draw near to God, we commit to one another, and we share life together. And that seems to be broken down into kind of a practical outworking and an emotional outworking. We can share our belongings, our finance, our homes, but we can also share our joys, our sorrows, and our decisions together. Now, I guess if I'm honest, I feel like sometimes the practical side of this can feel quite overwhelming, especially when we read of that early life in the early church. Um, in the book of Acts, when it says, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold all their possessions and they gave to anyone as he had need. I mean, it just seems so radical even then, but it seems even more radical now in our context of 2019 Dublin to do that. And I'm not sure that it means we all need to sell our homes and all move in together, you know. Um, but 
What we do learn from our early church brothers and sisters is that all of us have a mutual responsibility to meet the needs among us as a community. We all have that mutual responsibility to each other. The members of God's family are to put one another's needs above their own. Now the majority of us, I think, in this church do have a roof over our heads. We have enough finance to have a comfortable life. But are we aware of those among us who don't have that? Who are not as comfortable, maybe? Who need help? And more than that, are we willing? Are we willing to put ourselves and our own needs second? Do we have that heart outlook where we are constantly aware of what's happening in each other's lives? Are we engaged enough in community? Are we knitted in enough in community so that we are invited into the lives of our spiritual brothers and sisters? Are we open enough to invite everyone else into our lives? Because that's where we get to give and receive help and support. Needs are not all practical. We also need to provide emotional and spiritual support to each other. We need to give of our time to each other. We need to, um, when one of us is mourning, we all mourn. When one of us is celebrating, we all rejoice. When one of us is lonely, we become companions to each other. When one struggles with sin, we speak truth and encourage repentance. And in all things, in all things, we lift each other up in prayer. Myself and Rob, I think, have had the privilege to be on the giving and receiving sides of church family. We have had people financially support us when Rob was in college and um, after I had had Ethan and I wasn't back at work. There are wonderful people in, the, in this church community who look after our kids. Three years ago, I was in bed for four weeks with the flu. I don't think I cooked a meal for six weeks in that time. It was very, very special. And over the last few years, we've been able to share our home with family and friends from this community who've needed a place to stay short term. And we've had the privilege to walk alongside many of you in different phases of your lives, happy and sad. And I know that many of you will have had similar experiences. And yes, it is costly. It is costly to put others before ourselves. And it pushes us out of our comfort zone, especially as we are called to love all people, even people we don't like or people we don't agree with or see eye to eye with. But remember, none of us do it on our own. None of us do it in our own strength. It is the Holy Spirit that fills us with that spiritual fervor to be able to love each other so we may serve the Lord through serving each other. So I guess what I'm saying is learn to listen to that spirit. However you do that, next time you get that sense that you should pick up the phone and call somebody, or you should invite somebody into your home, or you just, somebody's on your mind, contact that person, cook a meal, pray for them. And I guess what I'm encouraging is don't hesitate, don't overthink it too much. Pick up the phone, make the call, reach out. And so just to recap, 
on how we might begin to um, or move deeper into a life of loving each other well. We should draw near to God, be assured of our beloved place in his heart. We commit to him and to each other. We choose to be devoted. We choose to persevere with each other. And we share life together, whatever that looks like in our 2019 context in Rathmines and within our city. And in a few moments, we're going to share communion together. And this is just such a beautiful reminder of God's commitment to us his love for us, his encouragement to us that we should meet together, that we should remember him and what he's done for us and that he, we can be together in his presence as his children. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for your love for us. That love that never changes. That love that is so sweet and clear and genuine. Father, I pray for each one of us here today that your love would move in our lives, Father, that there would be a shift of knowing in our heads that you love us, God. There would be a shift to our hearts, to really experiencing what it means to be your child. Father, I pray that you would help us as church family to really be that to each other, God. To be joyful in hope, to be patient in affliction, and to faithfully hold each other up in prayer, God. Father, I pray over this congregation and over this community, God, that you would show us what it means to be devoted to each other, God. Father, as we've sung this morning, we want more of you, and we want more of you to be more to each other, God. So, Father, by your Holy Spirit, would you fill us for that, God? Would you fill us afresh today, Lord? Father, we want to be a light in this community. May people know Holy Trinity by the way we treat each other first, God, as well as reaching out. May this love overflow out of here into this city, Father because we believe that we can be transformed in you and bring that transformation beyond these walls. So I just pray now, God, that you come be with us as we break bread together, as we remember your broken body and your blood poured out for us, God, that changed everything. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done.